want to start off where we left off yesterday and talking about the crime spree that we've seen happen. Uh, Chief Jerry Williams in studio with us talking about assaults on police officers, what happened in North Phoenix. And I got to tell you, normally things follow a pattern, and this is certainly not inside the pattern, at least as far as what we know now about this 24-year-old suspect. Well, shooter. He's not a suspect. Shooter. And um, this young man uh, was uh, doesn't really have much of a violent background. They don't really know much about him. But what happened at about 830 in these businesses in the Northwest Valley, a pretty uh, densely populated area. And um, the details of this are, are so strange. But I want to hear a couple of things about crime stats in general. Um, since July, uh, uh, we're going to get to the what's happened and what the Phoenix Police Department has done. But this deadly weekend that happened here in the Valley, this is just a little bit of the statistics that the chief brought with her yesterday. This weekend was 17 shootings in total and, and 11 homicides. So part of me says, not just as a police chief, but as a community member, who, who is going to stand up and, and talk about the fact that this can't continue to happen? So and that's and that's absolutely correct. So what the Phoenix Police Department is doing is they have uh, started a program that a few p- agencies around the country have started. And in conjunction with the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, um, they are setting out to go after illegal guns on the streets of Phoenix. Guns and the people that are dealing in those guns, whether you're buying guns on the streets illegally or you're just possessing a gun illegally or you're selling someone a gun illegally. They're modifying weapons. They're making them automatic weapons, which is also illegal. So what is the city of Phoenix doing? Here's the stat from what they've done from their from their uh, uh, intelligence center. We have a crime gun intelligence center, one of the few in the country, but we're realizing that a small percentage of people are committing the vast majority of crimes. So quick stats, because I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. Since July 5th, uh, we've taken 711 guns off the street and we've made 525 arrests. Yet this weekend, we have one of our one of our most, most deadliest week- weekends. So yesterday we had uh, the Phoenix Police Department from overnight the day before dealing with a situation where a man walked out and started firing a rifle, killed a few, killed two people, wounded five others, killed himself. Shot at multiple businesses, threw a Molotov cocktail. There was I've, I've never seen a response that that big in the city of Phoenix. Uh, I've not seen a police response like that. But also one of the things that is a credit to law enforcement is when critical incidents like this happen, um, calls for service still get answered. And what I mean by that is other agencies will fill in, the sheriff's office can fill in some gaps, other other districts, other cops from other precincts will come in and fill in in areas. So they make sure that calls for service continue to be answered. And you think about the situation where you've got officers under fire, you have at least one shot, another one wounded by shrapnel, and an ongoing gunfight, and you're, you're an officer that's being told stay where you are you're one of the people that have to fulfill duties of patrol and there's other investigations that go on here's a story this is from ktar.com it was posted early this morning Phoenix detectives seized 22 firearms, thousands of rounds of ammunition and drugs while serving a search warrant in Phoenix in August. The search happened near 89th Avenue and Thomas Road on August 18th following a criminal investigation. About 13,000 rounds of ammunition, 13 handguns, seven rifles, two shotguns, a crossbow, and a sword were discovered in the home. There was also 1,800 fentanyl pills along with substantial quantities of heroin and Xanax. A guy named Matthew Brody, 42, was arrested on charges including a possession of a narcotic drug for sale and possession of a deadly weapon. The investigation into the case led the Arizona DPS Gang and Immigration Intelligence Task 
Risk Enforcement Mission, um, that's GITM, uh, was led by them. Uh, but it ended in Phoenix. So a credit to law enforcement across the state. If you talk to law enforcement officers, and I encourage people to do that, have that conversation. One of the things that I saw yesterday in the news coverage of this, and I was watching, uh, um, I was watching um, Fox 10 yesterday. I happened to have on uh, watching John Hook in the broadcast. And um, – when they talk to people, when they are on the streets and every, you know, we had uh, we had people out at the scene. Um, Jim Cross was out there all morning long and all the TV stations had people out there doing reporting. And when I was listening to citizens in the area talk about what happened in their neighborhood, uh, they expressed shock that it happened there. And also they expressed a sadness for what the police are going through right now, that there is an uh, there is an uptick in what the confidence in criminals later on in the show. So we talk about the border very often, but the head of the Border Patrol, the chief of the Border Patrol, said it is the um, no punishment or no consequences policies of this administration that are leading to the overwhelming things that are happening at the border. And I would submit to you that it is the attitude when the criminals become the heroes and the heroes become the criminals in the minds of public opinion. It emboldens the criminals. They have become, they've been, they become heroes and they're not heroes. They're criminals. They're predators. They prey upon other people and they get the upper hand when they believe society and in many cases it happens where there's no punishment for their crime. The revolving door of the justice system. Um, the Phoenix Police Department deals with it just like every other agency in the state of Arizona where, uh, or, or across the country where you're dealing with the same Less than 10% of society. And I wish more people saw that in what a law enforcement officer's day is like. Um, when these men and women hit the streets, when they go and they answer calls for service, it is a revolving door in many cases. They find the same people in the same neighborhoods committing the same crimes. They go to the same homes for the same calls over and over again. And they do it every time because that's their job. But it is a revolving door where they deal with – and you know, all of us, if you think about – I've been in Arizona – for 27 and a half years and I'm trying to think of the times I've never I don't think I've ever called the police to my home um, I, I've called the I've dialed 911 before because I saw something happening but I've never called the police to my home and I think the average person that may happen in their lifetime but it's not a, it's not a uh, frequent occasion where the cops are knocking on your door for something. And, you know, uh, that's the problem with this, that we are dealing with the same um, bad segment of society. And is it locking them up and throwing away the key? Is it incarceration that works? Is it uh, rehabilitation that works in programs? The answer is that we should be focusing on the victims and we should be looking at what happens in the fallout of these cases. Now, there's going to be no trial for this guy because he took his own life. But if you look at what happens in many cases, and it's part of a defense, and how do you fix it? I don't know the answer. But as soon as a crime is committed, a heinous crime like this with multiple people dead, if those cases go to trial, all of a sudden, the perpetrator becomes the victim. We hear about what a horrible childhood they had, and they didn't have a chance in life. And and the victims seem to be on the back burner. The, the victims of these crimes are kind of set aside. And if we focus more on... Making sure that the perpetrators either change their ways or pay very heavy prices. And if we don't do that, 
we're going to continue to see this happen, that we have to rally behind law enforcement. It is, And I, I mean this sincerely. It is great that we stand up and say we support. We back the blue. When you have people interviewed talking about how sad it is. But we also have to make sure we hold politicians accountable. And many of them have gotten the message. And let's be very honest. I don't agree with you here. I'm very vocal about my disagreements when it comes to politics. But when you have members of the Phoenix City Council, when you have the mayor of Phoenix saying on multiple occasions, we have never and will never defund the police. When the city council, not every member. But as a body, they vote in favor of raises for law enforcement officers. Um, When we want to make sure they're the best equipped, the best trained, the best staffed agency. And every town and every county should feel that way about their agencies. Um, If we're doing that when, you know, because everybody that runs, I don't care which political party you're from, with few exceptions – Candidates run, and it's always public safety first. You always see on their campaign signs, police and fire endorsed. Everybody chases the police and the firefighters for their endorsements. Not a bad thing to do because you want those endorsements. But then when you get elected to office, if you campaign on public safety first, you have to govern on public safety first. And send a message to the criminals that we are coming after you, that you are you right now have 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 called. It's a call to arms, so to speak. I don't want shootouts in the street with the police, but I want the police to know that we're going to back them as they do what's necessary to keep the streets safe. And if we do that, we can turn this tide, but it's going to take some doing. That's for sure. Coming up in a moment, Carrie Lake joins me. She was scheduled to join us yesterday, but after the shooting the night before, we had to reschedule it for today. She is the Republican candidate for governor of the state of Arizona. She joins me in a couple of moments. We will talk about all things campaign and all things Arizona next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. We are awaiting a call from a, a gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake. We are doing the best we can to uh, keep you informed with uh, all of the candidates for all the races. And I want to be very clear about something. We have put out open invitations to every candidate from every party to come on the show. So we have invited Katie Hobbs multiple times on the show. Senator uh, Mark Kelly is invited on the show multiple times. We want you to be informed voters. You can go to KTAR.com slash Arizona votes and going there, you will be able to uh, hear all of our candidate interviews and be able to find out where the candidates stand on the issues. And uh, I think the best thing we can do, we all know where I stand in my opinion, but being fair to candidates is part of what I like to do. I want those people to feel as if they have a fair shot to make to state their claims on issues here on the air so that you can be an informed voter. So those are the things that are important to me. So joining us now is gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good morning. Uh, um, I appreciate you coming on and adjusting your schedule after what happened yesterday. Um, I appreciate that. And do you want to comment at all on officer safety and what happened in North Phoenix? Is uh, I know that we had kind of been talking with your people about this yesterday as we had to reschedule things because of the shooting. 
Oh, it, and it's just it's so tragic. We've seen so many, um, you know, attacks on police officers for far too long. And we really need to start standing up, each and every one of us, and speaking out in support of our, our men and women who put on the badge every day and go out to protect us. And we need more of them. And our plan when I get into office is to help um, municipalities and cities hire more police officers so that each department can be fully staffed because we've got dangerous streets right now. And, you know, when we when we allow for lawlessness to happen, Mike, we're seeing that in our cities all over the country, including here in Arizona. Lawlessness breeds more lawlessness. So when people start to get away with one crime, they think they can do another. And that's where we found ourselves, where people think they can walk out onto the street and shoot at police officers. I can't believe we've gotten this far gone but we're going to turn this around and restore law and order we need to get back to supporting our police better funding better equipment money so they can get ballistic vests i mean would you believe that the guys out there don't get enough money to buy a proper ballistic vest i know you know that mike but i I don't know if the rest of the public knows that so at the end of the day we just need to put um, law and order at the top of our list of importance and then support what it's going to take to get and restore law and order. And you're going to get that with me, not my opponent, who is, uh, you know, big on defunding the police and denouncing the police at every turn in every corner. The other part of this, the other half of this equation is prosecutors. We understand that you have to have a fully staffed prosecutor's office. So when these officers do the legwork and make the cases that they also get turned over to an office where the prosecutors are equipped and there are enough of them to make sure they go to trial that people actually get punished for the crimes they commit. True. And and in so many of our cities, and we've seen this, especially in California, we've got these Soros funded uh, prosecutors who let these criminals go. The, The police do all the work. They do the investigative work. They arrest the bad guys and they gather all the evidence. And then the prosecutors drop the charges. This has got to stop, and this is why it's so important we get involved when it comes to uh, elections and voting and get in there and do the research. Find out who these people are, and it's, it's almost always the Democrats who are getting that Soros funding, and they're the ones who, even if you do all the right police work, if you've got a prosecutor who's going to drop charges, we're going to find ourselves with the bad guys right back out there on the streets ready to harm our police officers and ready to harm us. Let's let's shift to another topic, and that is your opponent. Uh, lately, there's been a lot of talk, and from your campaign as well, that that your opponent is not willing to come out and debate. She's not giving interviews. She's not talking to a lot of people. She's even being criticized by a lot of members of her own political party. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, I think a she's afraid. She knows that she'll be exposed the minute she opens her mouth, and and the public realizes she doesn't have any plans. She has no policy. And this is happening around the country. A lot of Democrats right now are not debating their Republican opponents because what they're doing is basically what they're supporting is the same Joe Biden policies that have gotten us into the worst hole we've ever been in. And I, and I believe in our history. He's the worst president we've ever had. He's caused inflation to go sky high. You know, we're all paying 4000 more uh, a year just to deal with the inflation of, of Joe Biden. And that's really hurting our older our older, um, you know, citizens. 
who are on a fixed income, and she doesn't have a plan. And I think it's it's almost humorous. So now they're trying to meet and change up the rules. Look, the day we got the invite, I said, absolutely. What time do we need to be there? We'll be there. The only the only thing I wanted changed is I said, I'm not going to have a bunch of COVID restrictions with plexiglass surrounding me. And that was the only thing we asked to change because they were going to put plexiglass around us and all that garbage. And I said, no, I'm not taking part if we're going to be in a, a plexiglass cage. Um, and so that was the only thing we wanted changed. And we agreed to every other rule they had and and we'll be there because we believe that the public and the voting public needs to know where I stand on the issues before they can cast a a vote, an intelligent, uh, well-educated vote. And we believe that Katie Hobbs should put out where she stands on the issue and she doesn't have any policies. Somebody asked her the other day, what's your plan on the border? One of her supporters did. And it was a word salad of a bunch of nonsense gobbledygook. I don't know what her plan is. Put it in Joe Biden's hands. He's the one who got us in this mess. She's just she's a mess. And I think she knows that the people will find out if she uh, goes on the debate stage. One last question about the legislature, a story um, that is out from the Capital Times earlier this about a week ago, actually. Uh, there is a group of Republicans, uh, some of them elected, some of them running for office in the legislature, that want to pass a bill in the next uh, legislative session that would permanently raise teacher salaries by $10,000. Have you read through any of this? Where do you stand on issues of uh, giving teachers more money to retain uh, good teachers? You know, I have not read that bill. I know what you're talking about. I think it's Matt Gress who's talking about that. And and listen, I mean, my dad was a public school teacher. I don't think we pay our teachers enough. I think the money that we intend to pay our teachers ends up almost every time going into the administration staff and into their salaries. And, and we've watched our teacher salaries, if you adjust them for inflation, this is before Joe Biden's inflation, they've remained flat since 1970. I think more of our Education spending should be going directly into the classroom. That's how we retain good teachers, and that's how we keep good teachers. Um, and unfortunately, it's not. I like the idea of it, uh, making sure that the money is going to the teachers and not to a bunch of bloated administrating, you know, administrative staff salaries. I'd like to find out a little bit more about how they plan to do that. It sounds like they're going to try to circumvent um, some of these school districts. And I like to keep the power at the real local level when it comes to the schools. So if there's a way we can do that, well, we know the money's going into the teachers' pockets, but we're also making sure that each local uh, school district has a lot of control over what they're teaching and what they're doing, then I would be for, I'd be for that. All right, Carrie, if people want to learn more about the campaign, how do they find you? CarrieLake.com, K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E.com. I encourage you to go to the issues page. I lay out in detail where I stand on all of the issues that are affecting all of us, Arizona, and some of them that we've been dealing with for a long time, like the homeless situation that's really starting to hurt our quality of life. I've got plans for our water situation. Just go and take a look at it, and you'll find that it's uh, the solutions I have will be good, Mike, for Democrats, independents, and Republicans alike. It's always great to talk with you. I hope you'll come back soon. Thanks, Mike. All right. Bye-bye. That's that's Carrie Lake, gubernatorial candidate, Republican uh, candidate for governor here in the state of Arizona. Be an informed voter. KTAR.com slash Arizona votes. That's where our interviews are. Coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me. And it's a big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. It's great to hear my voice on the radio. Oh, absolutely. 
I just thought I'd throw that out and yeah, see what your just, reaction would be. Not surprised. It was disgust, I would say, is your reaction. No, it wasn't. Not at that all. That was disgust. No, I just, it was not. It was surprise. Okay. Because all you're right. usually so humble. <laughs> I know. I got a good question for you, though. Let's hear it. Uh, you know, Waymo is expanding its ride service in downtown Phoenix. Yes. Would you take a spin in a driverless car? So, like, you would call for the Waymo car like you would call for an Uber. Mm-hmm. And you get in, there's no one in the front seat. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, right? It, this is, by the way, this is good technology. Light rail, bad technology. Too Correct. much money thrown into it. I agree. This stuff is... Okay, so would you take a spin in a driverless car? A, yes. B, no. C, it would be better than driving with Broomhead. He drives like an old lady. No, I do the opposite. I drive like a maniac. I, that's not what I heard. Really? I heard you drive slow. <laughs> you're in the right lane. Well, People are passing you. you. I'm I just can saying. tell you. I can tell you with complete conviction. Whoever told you that has never been in a car with me. Is that so? That is absolutely the case. You're a race car driver. I am a destination person, not a journey person. I want to get well, there as fast as I can. I, I think on the queue this week, I'm going to take a shot at 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 someone every day. So yesterday right. I took a shot at Mark Kelly. Today I took a shot at you. We'll see what I do tomorrow. Perfect. Thanks, Gatos. It's great to hear my voice on the radio. <laughs> see you, man. The Big Q poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We talk economy coming up in just a moment.